It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Utah's best athletes count on flexibility, speed, strength. And the Jazz pick up their 22nd assist. So they count on University of Utah Health. Brielle Soleil puts this game away. And so can you. Leading doctors, a world-class environment, award-winning innovation, care to be great. 14 unanswered by the Utes. University of Utah Health, caring for Utah's best and yours. Schedule your appointment now at uofuhealth.org slash care to be great. Final horn has sounded. That'll do it. And it's time for the Mark Miller Utah Jazz Post Game Show with your hosts, Jake Scott and the coach, Tim LaCoe. Utah Jazz lose this one, 123 to 97. Hans Olsen sitting in for Jake Scott, coach LaCombe hanging out as well. Coach, uh, it was a theme from Booner, David Locke, you. It's very resounding, it's very obvious. And I'm a little bit worried about it. How worried are you about the rebounding right now for the Utah Jazz? Well, it becomes it, you know it becomes a real issue um, when you're trying to, and ter- certainly you're going to play a lot of games night in and night out with dominant big guys. Um, so you've got to end possessions. You know, in order for this team to be as good as they need to be, have to to get a team to miss, which they're good at. They're they're decent defensively. But then they have to corral the rebound, and that's where they're struggling. If they can get it, good things happen because you can get out in transition. Uh, this team can get attacking early. But as David said, you know they spent so much of their time walking the ball up the floor because they just couldn't get a defensive rebound. Okay, let me ask you this. So Olenek, Markinen, Vanderbilt, Conley, and Clarkson were your starting five tonight. Who should be your leading rebounder, and who should be your second leading rebounder, and what should those two numbers look like? You know, night night in and night out, you're going to see. You know, it's, I think it's it's going to vary, but I think Markin and most of the time will have you know somewhere in the neighborhood of ten boards. Right? This isn't a team, and Coach Hardy has said this a couple of times uh, last year. Uh, obviously, in years prior with Rudy, you had the luxury of a guy who'd go out there and get you 20 rebounds. Most nights it was 16, 17, 18, but he he basically gobbled up the mass, you know, of the rebounds. This team, if if the leader of the of of the the team in rebound is only getting 10, um, there's a lot of rebounds that other guys have to come down and help, and that's when I talked about rebounding down, you know, guards rebounding down to the paint. But also doing a great job of, um, you know, identifying which guy uh, on the offensive side can go and, and create a, a, an opportunity as well. So, rebounding is a it's a fine skill. It's one that this team right now is struggling with, and the only way they're going to be able to do it as they're presently made is do it together. See, I pin a guy like Vanderbilt because you look at him on the court and you pin a guy like Vanderbilt and say, "All right, you got to give me two things." Because I'm not expecting a ton out of the jump shooting. I'm not expecting a ton offensively. But give me two things. 
I want great defensive presence, and I want some rebounds from you. And, and Vanderbilt pulled down six. I think he led the team with six, Yeah, if I'm not mistaken. He did pull down six. He led the team with six. But what is it kind of defined Vanderbilt's role for me on this Jazz roster? Well, I think he does a great job of, of you know, he's a, he's a great defender, uh, off ball, on ball. Um, but I think his ton of his, energy. His greatest strength is his energy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, his ability on the offensive side to track down offensive rebounds, get extra possessions is special. Um, and what I have seen is that you're not going to see that every single night because it is energy driven, and you know guys get fatigued and have issues. Um, but he's going to give you a great effort, and I just think tonight, um, you know, the Jazz as a whole rebounding. At the end of the day, it was a story. They were in the the lowest possible percentile for offensive rebounds themselves, and then the you know on the other side, the Bucks were basically in the ninety fifth, ninety sixth percentile on the top end of offensive rebounds. So yeah, those two things, you just know that's not going to be a good outcome. Jazz shoot thirty four percent from the perimeter, going sixteen of forty seven. What did you think of their offense? Just their shooting tonight. I, you heard David Locke mention that they did not take a single corner three. You didn't see the assist numbers from Clarkson. You didn't see the assist numbers from Conley that we've gotten real used to seeing. So I don't know how much the ball was moving, but sixteen of forty seven overall. They're shooting. We and we also. So we mentioned only the second time all year long that they've been under 100 points. Uh, the greatest thing in the world is length. It's what makes really good defensive teams great. And this Milwaukee team, that's one thing they have in droves. They have a lot of length. Um, and tonight they had you know Carter out there who just crawls up in the ball and creates opportunities um, for, for others, really, because he's such a pest. Uh, that he he forces guys to do things they don't want to do by just getting rid of the ball, but this is a very long team. They, their specialty, you know, is the, is defense. It's, it's one of the best defensive teams in the league, and a big reason of that is length. Length slows down ball movement. Being able to switch, you know, be being able to do that just slows ball movement, and you don't get the quality of looks that you're used to getting. We talked about. With a little bit about Mike Conley and Markinen being back, and those those two back on the court together, they're twelve and six. They were twelve and six. Well, actually, they're thirteen and six on the court together going into this game, and they end up losing this one. But Mike Conley, it feels like to a certain extent hasn't shaken off the return yet. It feels like he's not quite back to the Mike Conley that started this season. What are you seeing from the the? You know what? Let's uh, we'll pause on that thought. We'll hold Mike Conley, and we'll get to that here in a minute. Coach Will Hardy at the podium. They had the ball. Uh, it kept us from being able to get the ball in the paint, especially in the first half. Like you have to be able to drive the ball through the initial bump, and I don't think you did a very good job of that tonight. Um, on the other end of the floor, clearly they especially in the first quarter, came out and set the tone by getting seven offensive rebounds in the first quarter, uh, which put us behind the eight ball just from a physicality standpoint. And then you add on top of that that they shot the ball great tonight, um, 48, almost 48% from three. You know, hats off to them. They're uh, one of the best teams we have in the NBA right now. And a lot of experienced players, regardless of who's in and who's out, they're well coached. They play hard, and you know that's as physical a team as we've played to this point this season. And it's a good opportunity for us, the team, to learn 
um, how we have to adjust to a physical game so that we can still play our style of basketball. But the good news in the NBA is that we don't have to wait too long to play again. So we look forward to getting to Cleveland. How, how do you uh, adjust? How do you want them to play with that level of physicality? Against yeah, you, you have to make it a point when you drive the ball, getting low, understanding that a hand check or a bump is coming and you have to try to play through that first bump. They're not going to get out of the way. And so for us to create an advantage, we have to be really detailed and diligent about those little things, driving the ball through contact, setting good screens, both with the bigs and the smalls. It's not sometimes screening is blamed on the centers. And the way that we play, everybody's responsible for setting good screens to help us create an advantage. And in the first half, we did not do a very good job of that. And then you go through periods where you don't make a few shots and it all starts to feel worse than it actually is. Uh, they're making shots, we're missing shots, but we have to find ways to understand how we're being guarded, how the game is being played, and make an adjustment. So I think you know our team this season has shown the ability to dig in and to compete. And I felt like for the most part we were trying to compete. We just weren't executing physically the screen setting, the driving the ball through contact, and then on the other end, rebounding as a group. Um, you know, I think tonight's game was really lost solely in like those physical aspects. When it comes to the rebounding, how do you get more physical with, I guess, the, the kind of the guys you have? Because they're not the big, big, big bruisers. Right. It, it's continues to take everybody and we have a very small margin for error in that area and so you can have three players go to the glass and two guys on a given possession are not locked in and don't go and we get hurt because the other team does have more size than we do so it's just the constant recognition that all five players have to go rebound so it's something that we will continue to emphasize we've had periods of games and pockets of the season where we've done a pretty good job and then we have games where it gets away from us um, you know they had seven in the first half quarter and then at halftime they only have nine so in the second quarter the rebounding had picked up a little bit but 48 minutes is a long time and if you lose your focus in an area like that for five six minutes you can get really hurt because it seemed like we would try to claw our way back in the game it's a nine point game which really is nothing in the NBA today and they come out and boom, Cato run, make a shot, offensive rebound, put it back. Like you just get behind behind the, the rhythm of the game when you're not locked into those areas. And we know as a team that those are the areas for us that are always gonna be kind of hot buttons because of the size on our team, because we understand our personnel and the guys understand, you know, that we don't have one player who's gonna get fourteen defensive rebounds. So the focus on those areas has to be a constant through 48 minutes. There, the other areas of the game, um, I really feel like we're capable of playing very good basketball, and we've shown this year that we can do so. But we can't come into a game like tonight with that caliber of opponent, their physical size, and not understand that this game can be lost solely in physicality if we're not focused on it. Do you think that there was... 
There you go, Coach Will Hardy. After this game goes final, the Utah Jazz losing to Milwaukee 97-123. to You heard him talking about some of the rebounding issues, Coach. And how often as a coach, how often as a coach do you think when somebody says, well, what can you do? Do you think in your mind, well, yeah, we're outmatched. We're outsized. It's really hard to do any better. How often do you think that? No, you want to say that, but, you know, but – but there is a way. Um, you just have to, you know, you got to really focus on doing it together. And as I said, they're not going to have the one guy out there that just gobbles up a ton. So it's got to be a team effort. But as Coach Hardy said, you can't kind of go in and out of that. That has to be a mentality. Mm-hmm. When it becomes a mentality, then it's a thing. Until it becomes a mentality and not every other quarter, you know, it's 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 going to be rough. Well, it's becoming a shortfall right now, and they got to get it figured out. And we'll talk a little bit more about that and other things coming up here in your Utah Jazz postgame show. We'd like to say goodbye, good night to our network partners, and we will continue on the other side with some of this breakdown. Jazz losing one twenty three to ninety seven of the Milwaukee Bucks. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. final horn has sounded. That'll do it. And it's time for the Mark Miller Utah Jazz postgame show with your hosts, Jake Scott and the coach, Tim Lacombe. Welcome into your Mark Miller Subaru postgame show. Hans Olsen, Coach Lacombe, taking you through the evening, getting you caught up on just what happened. Utah Jazz losing 97 to 123 to the Milwaukee Bucks. We've talked about the rebounding issues. We talked a little bit about some of the offensive issues. But give me your thoughts, Coach, on where this really went wrong for the Utah Jazz when you've got two superstars out from Milwaukee and you've got bench guys taking a bigger role for Milwaukee. Where did you feel this went wrong for them outside of the rebounding? Well, I, I obviously you're going to miss Giannis. You're going to miss Middleton a ton. But I think it's a, you know, Portis and Lopez, much like you said, you talk about Conley and Clarkson for the Jazz, a, a duo that's really resilient, tough, veteran, been there, fought the wars, won a championship, not scared, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that those guys coming in, you know, I think that really does, I think you have to call it like it is. The Jazz on the road, you know, was going to be difficult with Giannis, but those guys did a great job of holding up their end. Um, in my mind, the Jazz uh, were only down four in the first. I thought they, they fought back and forth. It was that little bit of a run toward the end of, of the second quarter, but it all is tied to rebounding. I mean, we can try to throw ornaments and make the tree look different or pretty. At the end of the day, it's a tree. In my mind, this game was totally 100% decided by on the glass. I mean, it just was. And, you know, why is that? It, tonight was just one of those nights. I think Milwaukee's energy was awesome. Too. Yeah. It was awesome. They had guys that weren't afraid of the moment, weren't worried about Giannis being out. You actually mentioned it in the pregame. 
uh, I think maybe when we were talking back and forth with David, yeah, yeah. you said this is an opportunity. Yep. These oh maybe it was when we were talking with Mike Smith, and you right. said this is an opportunity for some of these guys, and it actually clicked with me because at the professional level, level you're looking for opportunity. You just want the moments. Just give me those minutes. Give me the moments. Oh, they're out. Well, let me show you what I can do. I can carry this this uh, number two in the East team just as well as anybody can carry it. Give me those minutes. And it felt like the guys that were on the court tonight for Milwaukee at home, where they always play good, don't be ashamed of losing in Milwaukee right now. And don't forget, I mean, the last time out, uh, they were beat by 40 by the Grizzlies. 41, excuse me. 142-101. So this is a very proud team. This is a team with a ton uh, you know, of mojo toward trying to win yeah, they it do. all they this year. And I think that they're probably the most suited if they're all healthy. But, you know, they got their feelings hurt. And so, yeah, I think it's a combination of unbelievable energy and a response to that. And certainly the coaches let them know. Um, and then, obviously, the Jazz just not – Having it, that to me is the essence of the ball game. But both you and I feel like Milwaukee's coming out of the East, correct? Oh, totally. Yeah. You know, this is a team that has so much depth. I think everybody got a chance to see it tonight. And by the way, Portis is not an unknown name. This is a guy that has done a lot of damage for a lot of years. And it feels like he just does it against the Jazz. Every time he's got the Jazz in their sights, he feels like one of those Jazz busters. You know, there was, growing the, up... The Linus Kleza. Yeah, Growing up for me, Fast Eddie Johnson, every single time for yeah. Phoenix, he would just... Yeah, well, and wherever he ended up, Fast Eddie was a problem for was the he? Jazz. So there are those guys, and I, and I concur, because Portis, most times, I saw him actually one night, um, shortly after being done coaching, uh, one of my first NBA games, and he was with the Wizards, mm-hmm. and I sat down close to the floor, and he was unbelievable that night. You know, I think he put twenty. So you might be onto something. He likes playing the Jazz too. I think he does. I think he loves those moments. Kind Seventh of a- year out of Arkansas, six ten, two hundred and fifty pounds, and dude plays with energy. He is a crowd favorite. They love him in that town. I got another. It's Louis Scola. It oh. felt like every time Scola played the Jazz, it was like, "Jeez, man, do you do this every time?" Or is it just against the Jazz? Yeah, I'm telling you, Westbrook every time you buy list. I know Westbrook and he does it to everybody. It feels like when Westbrook's in Vivint Arena, he always has a point to prove. And and tonight it was Bobby Portis. Great game by Portis. Great game by this Milwaukee Bucks team to pick up the slack where they didn't have the Greek freak and they didn't have Middleton. They still picked it up and got the big win, one twenty three. To ninety-seven, um, give me a really quick thought on the Utah Jazz bench production tonight. Well, the Jazz bench has actually been a strength for this team uh, throughout the year. Um, tonight, you know, the Jazz struggled to get any kind of rhythm. Um, Beasley was great. Beasley hit six threes, and I'm telling you, the guy's just a money shooter. He he can shoot it in any circumstance. Um, it's crazy to see him in the in the threes he makes night in and night out. And then Alexander Walker came in and gave 14 off the bench. But beyond that, you know, it was just kind of spotty. Um, and so I think the Jazz bench has been better, certainly. And they need the bench to be good because Coach Hardy's going to play a lot of guys. Did it feel like they pulled back on Walker Kessler's minutes tonight? I don't know what he's averaging. I know he had 14 tonight. It just didn't feel like his presence was as predominant as it's been. It's going to happen. You know, you you went through rookie season, 
and you know there's going to be ebbs and flows, highs and lows. There's going to be matchups that are some better than others. And, um, you know, I think kind of pick a number in any of that right there, but I would imagine it's a combination of a lot of that. It's Kessler, you know, have, having played a lot lately, um, it was not as effective, to your point. Three rebounds in 14 minutes, certainly shown better than that to date. And uh, just two for two from the field, so only got two attempts in 14 minutes. Um, much like the rest of the guys, just had a hard time getting going. Fontecchio was back on the court, and we talked about a little bit of his play with Ron Boone. Boone kind of broke down his game. David Locke was talking about some of his attributes as well. But no Sexton tonight. Colin Sexton out again for the Utah Jazz. How much are they missing him and his bench presence right now? Well, the one thing you get out of Colin is a ton of energy. You know, a ton of energy, a ton of effort. Um, and then you know, some explosiveness coming at you in the, in transition. Um, if nothing else tonight, just his ability to kind of be in there and create havoc and chaos, he's very good at that. And so I think they miss that piece when he's out. You're listening to the Mark Miller Subaru Utah Jazz postgame show. The great Coach Tim Lacombe does it every single night for the Jazz. You're fantastic at what you do. Well, you know you're the best at what you do, right? You, well, I'm sitting with the best at what he does. So. <laughs> oh, man, please. I, I love listening in to I you, I love sitting Jake. here getting the football up. You know, you're teaching me football as we – I'd like to learn on the job. Well, BYU right now leading 24-17. They got a great stop on a fourth down against SMU. Get them off the field. So BYU's doing their thing right now on the field as well. We'll come back with more of your Mark Miller Subaru postgame show and many more interviews to come. That's all next. The final box score is printed. Jake Scott and the coach Tim Lacombe are breaking down how it all happened on the Mark Miller Utah Jazz postgame show. Oh, my! Coach, let's hit our Masters of the Glass while we wait for Malik Beasley. Uh, Masters of the Glass, Jazz fans, Safe Flight Auto Glass is proud to present this year's Master of the Glass rebound program. At the end of the regular season, Safe Flight will donate $5 to a charitable organization for each rebound secured by this year's team rebound leader. What do you got for Masters of the Glass well, tonight? That was the, uh, that's what, the point tonight was that rebounding just wasn't enough, but the Master of the Glass tonight goes to... Mr. Jared Vanderbilt with six rebounds. That's it. That's it. That's your leader. That's your leader. So really, the master of the glass, wink, wink, nod, nod, was Bobby Porras <laughs> with 14. But the jazz guy out there, uh, we'll go ahead and give it to Jay Vanderbilt. It really felt like this was one of the slowest performances we've had from the starting five on the court this year. And and I I know that you know for the for the most part you're continuing to push different rotations, but Olenek, Markinen, Vanderbilt, Conley, and Clarkson is a familiar five, and it felt like it was one of the slower nights from your starting five. Yeah, I totally agree. And again, it's it's pretty remarkable, given that this team was basically put together um, in total, you know, a couple of weeks before training camp when you figure Olenek, the Olenek move, and Bogdanovich. But the to me the the biggest piece is they had instant chemistry and we haven't seen a tough game we haven't seen a game where they just didn't have it in thirty one of them so I think there's a lot of marvel in that but tonight I think that is the truth I think they just tonight was a game they didn't have it uh, they tried the effort was good but they didn't have it and Milwaukee ended up 
just kind of doing their thing. We were able to catch up with Malik Beasley. Holly Rose sitting down with the Jazz Ford. Here is Malik Beasley. You know, when it's not going great, how are you able to still find something positive? Uh, just continue to play. Uh, it's nice in the NBA like that where we, you know, the ball doesn't go our way, rebounding doesn't go our way, and just got to keep fighting. The rebounding was very uncharacteristic tonight. How do you guys talk about that or address that? Uh, we just got to watch the film, and uh, rebounding comes down to effort, and we just got to have better effort tonight. And, um, like I said, we got to get back two games this week, the rest of the week. Milwaukee's a great team, and they were hard to play against tonight. What impressed you about them? Uh, they moved the ball well, um, and they made a lot of good shots. Um, a lot of open shots, too, so that means, you know, they got into the paint and uh, made the right plays for each other. They played better as a team tonight than we did. How do you guys quickly turn the page? You face a very difficult Cleveland team coming up. Uh, we got to flush that down the toilet and um, get our rest tomorrow and get ready for, you know, two, two good teams. And uh, like I said, we got to definitely get two. Uh, two and one is still a great road trip for us, and uh, we believe we can do that. Thanks, Malik. Thank you. There you go, Malik Beasley with Holly Rowe. So, Coach, you talk about Malik Beasley's ability to shoot, man. When that guy starts rolling, when he figures out his shot, it is a pretty thing to watch. No, it is. He has such a great release. I get here as early as I can most nights, and I like to get in there and watch the guy shoot a little bit so I kind of know their – the rotation as they come out on the court. Uh, I love to catch Beasley. The guy just makes shots pretty remarkable. If you can get in early uh, before a game, watch it. Go uh, Great release, confidence stroke. Um, I think he believes he's going to make everyone, like most great shooters that I've coached. Um, and he's, uh, yeah, he's definitely a bona fide weapon in that regard. He's, uh, he makes multiple threes, and when he makes them early, that's the night he gets really – like tonight he made a couple early, and it's like, look out. He's going to make multitude of threes. Yeah. yeah well, he's, he's an incredible shooter. You know my nickname for him? Is it multitude? No. It's Malik <laughs> Threesley. Malik Threesley. It's really solid. Multitude was good, though. I'm just thinking we're getting close to the Sabbath, so I'm starting to speak biblical. Yeah, multitude. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back. It is uh, getting closer to the Sabbath. We'll make sure we get you out before that, but you'll come right back to the Utah Jazz postgame show next. Wow! The outcome is in the books. Let's get to the reaction. Hear from the coaches, the players, as well as the coach, Tim LaCombe. It's the Mark Miller Utah Jazz Postgame Show. Here's Jake Scott. Welcome in to your Mark Miller Postgame Show. Hans Olsen, Coach LaCombe. I'm sitting in for Jake Scott. He'll be back, and then you can come back and listen, because I know you all listen for Jake anyways. We're out here watching the BYU-SMU game as well. SMU just got the into the end zone with eight seconds left to get it 23-24. SMU is lining up to go for two. Coach Lacombe, they're saying, let's end it now. Yeah, bowl season, and they're in Albuquerque. I would say, end it quicker, get your bowl gift, and get the blankety-blank out of Albuquerque. Because uh, that, that's in tough town. You know that as well it, as I do. It is. It's a tough town. But uh, I'm hoping that these guys have had a lot of fun. It looks like they're going to come out uh, 
and go for the two. I don't know. Coaches are talking it over again. They've called now their second time out in a row, so we'll see what happens there. If you're just tuning in, the Utah Jazz lost to the Milwaukee Bucks 123-97. to We've been talking about the rebound issues. There were plenty of those rebound issues galore, but the Utah Jazz suffering a 123-97 to loss. How, how tough a loss is this for the Jazz, in your opinion? How tough will the team take it? How how hard is it going to be for the coaching? I, one thing I found with the NBA, you got to you don't have much time to think about it. I, I obviously know they're not going to be happy. They want to they want to uh, you know be their best every night, but they they also understand this league. And again, I think it's remarkable that we haven't seen um, you know they played such a tough schedule, a demanding schedule, and we just had not seen them get blown out um, tonight, being the first, and so. I think you give a ton of credit where credit's due, and that's to this team for over 30 games have shown that they're going to be in most games. One guy we haven't talked a lot about was Drew Holiday coming back uh, for the first time in a bit, and Drew Holiday on the court going 9 of 16, went 3 of 6 from 3, grabbed 4 rebounds, dished out 8 assists, and had 21 points tonight. Coach, talk a little bit about what Drew was able to get over on the Jazz. Well, I think he's, first of all, I think he's the reason that Milwaukee broke through. I think he was the key addition, um, him coming to Milwaukee and his leadership and his toughness, but his uh, his kind of team-first attitude, you know, kind of melded really well with Giannis. So that, that was a match made in heaven. I just like his game. He's a serious guy. He, he runs the team in 27 minutes. He got all that done that you talked about. But the most impressive thing to me is just um, the fact that he's a two-way guy. He'll jump into you defensively. He'll you know do everything he can on that end, and then on the other side, like Mike Conley, he kind of steadies the ship for Milwaukee. And then Grayson Allen taking the second most minutes on the court. Former Utah Jazz man, twenty-nine minutes goes six of nine, and goes six of nine and ends up with thirteen points on the night. Uh, Tell me a little bit about Grayson Allen, what you're seeing from him as he's developed. Well, Grayson could always score. I mean, don't don't forget when he was here with Utah late in that season, uh, at the end of the season, I think it was the last game of the year in 2019, maybe, um, he had 40. And, you know, so we know he can score. He's a McDonald's All-American, a Dukey. The guy's got great blue blood in him. Um, and I think, you know, he's maturing to the point where he's uh, – you know, he's a plus 18 while he's out on the floor tonight. I think he's found a home there. I think that he identifies well with that. And I think there's enough steady guys, you know, to kind of keep him in check, too, because he's had his issues with some of the some of his antics. So I would imagine having a, a pretty strong leadership group would help him there, too. Utah Jazz lose 123 to 97. Milwaukee getting it done tonight. Also, BYU getting it done, getting the stop on the two-point conversion attempt by SMU. They win that game 24 24- 23. Eight seconds left on the clock. I'm sure they'll let this thing tick off as they get the uh, the kickoff. SMU's coach should get like the Nobel Peace Prize for ending the Albuquerque Bowl. Either ending it, well, just winning it or losing it, but not letting, not extending it. Well, here we'll come with the onside kick. We'll see if SMU could do anything with it. Well, I'd imagine that they would bring the onside kick team onto the field. BYU should cover this thing, and it should end peacefully. 
would be would be yeah, my this guess. thing's over, buddy. <laughs> BYU celebrating on the sideline. They're pretty excited about it. Getting a much needed bowl in, uh, getting some momentum for a new defensive staff that's going to be coming in as well. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back to more of the Mark Miller Subaru Utah Jazz post game show. Hans Olsen, Tim Lacombe. Running hook, blocked it. The final box score is printed. Jake Scott and the coach Tim Lacombe are breaking down how it all happened on the Mark Miller Utah Jazz post game show. Oh my! Top to Beasley, one of the most proficient three-point shooters in the league. Teddy fires and hits. Malik Beasley with back-to-back threes ties the game at 42. And the Jazz have tickled the twine from downtown ten times in the first half already. There you go, Coach. That is the play of the game from tonight. A three hit from the outside by David Locke. Uh, kind of take me through that play and that, that, that moment. Well, I don't know that it was that you know general moment in the game, but I think that spells... Well, for tonight, it, it really was, was. Uh, it was a, a game. You know, we've been really into this team. We've had a lot of fun, exciting calls, but tonight it was just kind of one of those nights. And so we're going to keep it. We're going to keep it pretty melancholy. Yeah, you have gloves on. I do. I what? just. I'm just starting to grip up here. You know, I, I'm just prepping for. <laughs> Where did you get football gloves? Those are receiver gloves. They are receiver gloves. I. This is what I roll in. I got these from down there at BYU from. Uh, my guy Steve Bushman, Did you? equipment guy. And but yeah, that's the way I roll. Man. Keeps the hands warm. Yeah, and if anybody throws a football at me, I'll be sure to catch. It. <laughs> you know. Why do we not see more basketball players go glove up? I don't know. You're kind of liking it though, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I feel like you want to hit me though. I don't I feel know like I'm it, holding up like a. You're a bull, and I'm holding up a red flag. I feel like you're ready to take some snaps from me. Do you want to just practice some snaps? Hoich! Go under center. <laughs> Roll Gus out here. Kick that extra thing. BYU gets uh, the win in their bowl game. I thought that that was nice. Big bowl weekend that we've had. It's been a lot of fun to watch. But the Utah Jazz, not so lucky losing this game 123-97 to to the Milwaukee Bucks. Put a bow on this one for us, Coach. Well, I, you know, these games happen. Um, and to this team's credit, I think the one thing we've said all year long is they've been in every game, and they have. Even the, the game they lost by 11 to the Warriors um, with a couple of minutes to go was two or three possessions. So um, credit for that. I think tonight just ran into a couple of different things. First of all, you got Milwaukee at a bad time. They just got beat by 41 points, and they have a lot of pride. Um, and then, secondly, they decide not to play Giannis tonight, um, and Portis and Lopez salivate because they get an opportunity to get more minutes. Um, I thought their core was really good. If you say Portis, Lopez, Holiday in their starting lineup, um, and then they had great contributions off the bench, um, you know, from a lot of guys. But Bochamp, you know, Locke talked about him a little bit, but he's a good player, um, young guy. So. More than anything, the Jazz probably the biggest concern. Got to get figure out how to get rebounds, you know, and that be really be committed to gang rebounding or community rebounding, making sure that everybody's in the paint, because that's the way when they've been successful. Hans, that's the way they've been able to get it done. Well, their next target is going to be the Cleveland Cavaliers. Give me a quick thought on that one. Taking on Cleveland Monday night. Well, the first thing that comes to your mind, obviously, is is Donovan Mitchell. It's a big one. Uh, number 45, you know, is getting an opportunity, the first one, to, to play against his old team. So we know how those things go. Um, they make a big deal about them, but at the same time, 
there's I talk about pride. There's a lot of pride in all these players and organizations. So it should be fun. It should probably feel a little, a little bit more um, like a playoff game from the beginning than it will feel like just a regular game in December. He's a catch-up packet away from averaging 30 points He's a game. He's killing right it, man. And, and you know what? I'm so happy for him because – um, obviously, whatever you know, situation wasn't here wasn't right, but the Jazz got really good players and good picks, um, both from he and Gobert. And those guys, you know, they were a part of keeping this thing on the rails. So I, I got to know Donovan a little bit, and he was always very good to me. I'm going to be excited to see him come back and play here. I know the fan base will be a little mixed on that. Utah Jazz fans, get ready for it. It is going to be the Cleveland Cavaliers, the Utah Jazz. You get to see Donovan Mitchell up close and personal against this Utah Jazz team. We'll uh, keep you updated on Colin Sexton and his availability and so much more as we get you ready for that game. You keep it tuned here to 97.5, 1280 The Zone. You're going to get all those Jazz updates starting at Monday, 6 o'clock in the morning with DJ and PK and rolling right on through the day. This has been your Utah Jazz post game show with Tim Lacombe and Hans Olsen right here on the Jazz Basketball Network. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new season three, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts.